What's going on, guys? Hey, it's Anthony here on the Culture Jack Podcast. Guys, today we're going to have a fun time talking about Spider-Man. No Way Home, that's right. It is that magical time. We're diving into it. We're going to go in a little deep. I know I'm going to miss some things. I haven't watched the movie in several weeks or since it came out. However, I did watch uh, some breakdown videos, and hopefully I'll cover the, the bulk of it. No promises. But it'll be fun to talk speculation, um, talk through the story and everything else, guys. So I'm really excited to bring this podcast to you guys, and I hope you enjoy it. But before I dive into Spider-Man No Way Home, guys, please take one moment, hit the follow button so you guys don't miss any of the episodes that we produce for you guys we have quite an assortment um i feel like between dustin and i we are are bringing a nice variety of things to you guys every single week from the news desk which dustin dives knee deep into video games the uh producers and so much more there friday show we got original content coming from dustin Saturdays is on this episode, which is what we're doing today, where we're going. We're going deep into Spider-Man No Way Home. Sunday, we got the Weekend Wire, which I cover TV shows, movies, and everything within that world. And then Monday is original content from me, which is Monday Madness. So four to five episodes a week, guys. Absolutely free. All we ask from you is, hey, hit a subscribe, drop a review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to. And that's it. That's all we're asking for. Let's dive into Spider-Man No Way Home. So this is, let's see, where where are we at here? Where am I at? Uh, We'll say late January of 2022, Spider-Man No Way Home has hit $1.5 billion worldwide, which is crazy. It's still breaking box office records it's still it's doing its thing and rightfully so uh let's talk real quick about the cast so if you're not familiar with the cast oh and there's spoilers uh let me let me be up front with you before i dive into any of this stuff there's a ton (laughs) ton of spoilers we're gonna go we're gonna go in in deep so uh we have mr tom holland reprising his role as Spider-Man. Actually, maybe I'll talk I'll talk cast as we go through the story. Um, so we have Tom Holland, of course, reprising his role as Spider-Man, which you know, Zendaya as MJ. We have Marissa Tomei as Aunt May reprising her role. And then we got J- Jacob Batalone as Ned Leeds. So those are characters that you are aware of that you saw in the previous episodes or previous movies, you we've got Ben Benedict Cumberbatch as Mr. Doctor Strange, Benedict Wong as Wong. Um, these are things you should know already. So if you haven't seen it, that shouldn't none of that should be new news to you. I hope we got J.K. Simmons uh, reprising his role um, as J. Jonah uh, J. Jonah Jameson. So that's the, we'll, we'll just leave it at that for the moment. We'll leave it leave it at that so this movie picks up essentially directly where the last spider-man movie ended right 
So what is what does that mean? Well, the last Spider-Man movie ended with Jake Gyllenhaal's character Mysterio essentially telling the world Spider-Man's identity is right Peter Parker. He's Peter Parker, which is a controversial thing. This has been revisited not only in uh, the Spider-Man genre, but we have seen the tale of exposing the mask superhero in comics, in cartoons, in movies, in different variations. And the impacts that that has uh, varies depending on the movie, the storytelling. But nonetheless, that is what we're walking into, a classic tale of the hero being unmasked. And of course, as we enter this movie, it is causing havoc. It is massively disruptive on Peter Parker's life, massively disruptive on Ned's life, Aunt May's life, uh, MJ's life, and anybody that was truly associated with Spider-Man. While we start the movie with starting to see this, um, I'm not going to go scene by scene again, guys. I haven't seen this movie in a hot minute, so so it's a little difficult for me to go scene by scene. But nonetheless, that is the world that we're reintroduced to in the beginning of the show. And obviously, we see that there is still the strong relationship of friends between these characters. We have one of the opening scenes being um, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, swinging through the city with... MJ Watson, in which is also discovered. And you also get a glimpse at essentially the chaos that is surrounding, right? There's mobs of people. We get some of the shots and scenes of that. We get the, you know, uh, the Mysterio where he uh, essentially was trying to say that uh, Spider-Man was murdering him and he was behind all of this. The Stark Industries drones, Um, have been picked up by the DOD and they're being, you know, they're under investigation. Stuff is going on and the impact is extremely significant on the main characters and the friends' lives and livelihood as a whole. So that is kind of the buildup and introduction of this. And it does launch you like right into this. So it's as though you could watch No Way Home uh, right at the dovetail of what far from home and it would like almost blend together aside from the credits <laughs> aside from the credits from one into the other and so with that again there's a ton of scenes just just trying to emphasize what it is we've got billboard scenes of jay jonah jay jonah jameson aka jk rollins the spider-man is at it again and then we've got <coughs> Excuse me, the crowds of people um, where where Peter's trying to interact publicly and there it's just complete chaos is what is happening. Stark Industries is in a lot of trouble. Daily Bugles and and J. Jonah Jameson are just blasting it out on the news on the or on the newspapers, on the freaking big screens and everything. And this disruption also uh, applies to you know, the city, the the world, because this young man has been essentially exposed or what some believe has exposed who he is. And now he has to defend himself. 
um, in the public eye. So the, we also get Michelle Jones Jameson or Watson, MJ Watson, tied back to Zendaya's character, which was kind of a big step within the uh, within the world. Um, let's see what else did we get going on there. Trying to think, um, bu- 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 bu. we see the investigations. The DOD is investigating the drones because the drones, if you recall, were wreaking havoc on the city. And then Mysterio essentially was blaming Peter for said drones and then killing him. So we get this investigation, kind of this <clears throat> investigation phase. I guess that's the best way to say the the first act of this movie is that. Um, and again, I already mentioned the stress and all the stuff's going on. We also get that Aunt May and Happy are going separate ways, to put it nicely. And while this is all building up, there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of, I guess, climatic scenes of of the impacts. Like solely, that's that's solely what's going on throughout these sequences, right? Like. They can't get around, you know, so so Spider-Man, you know, his web swing in. Everybody is just in, in, in calamity and chaos. They have to seek um, they have to seek uh, legal help in which was an incredible scene in this movie. One of the one of the best teasers, one of one of many or one of the best cameos, I should say, not teasers, one of the best cameos for this movie. So because of the impact, because of all of the the public misperception of what's really going on the identity being revealed they seek they seek some legal counsel which they have to and of course that person is charlie cox's daredevil which you know they're sitting down it's a real brief scene they're sitting down a cool part about it was someone throws a brick through the window charlie cox catches it spider-man's hand tom holland's hand was there right right on the cusp of charlie charlie cox's within an inch or two to catch the brick as well i you know kind of signaling like i'm not just a blind lawyer (laughs) which i thought I, i thought that was a really um nice touch very very well done and and very well executed and of course big time to see charlie cox reprising the role as Daredevil, even if it was for that sweet, sweet short cameo scene. Um, so with this, um, because now they know where they live, they know where Peter Parker is, bricks are flying through the window. Aunt May and Peter need to relocate. And that's what they do. They go and stay with Mr. Happy, in which I, I like that they incorporated Happy into the, they folded him back into the story. There's some, you know, there's some scenes of when he was younger, when he had the long hair, which is a recall in one of the Iron Man movies. There's just so many tiebacks uh, to different things that had happened in in the MCU to this point that is just awesome. I I really do like how they uh, how they were doing that. Um, let me go. I've got a bunch of notes here that I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to stick to here. So they relocate to Happy's condo and then Peter and MJ, you're still getting this like relationship, um, this, this relationship thing, this, this back and forth, um, this genuine care and concern for each other, you know, and of course Ned's involved to some degree as an extension or, or his best friend. And that's, that's a lot of what's going on in the you know what i would say is the the first big 
piece of the uh, the show. And then, of course, we do have uh, Albert Cleary, which is uh, Arian uh, Moed is the actor who is the DOD agent who is investigating Peter. Um, it, well, he's investigating the whole situation, which again, just emphasizes this, this impact. And I keep saying that because when you peel the onion back on this and the, the reason that I thought this was kind of unique, I thought it was a little slow, but unique nonetheless is this doesn't impact Spider-Man port poor, you know, for the most part. This is impacting Peter Parker, a high school student that is trying to prepare to go to college. This also impacts by association. And that's what the, the point they keep trying to drive home here is like these people, you know, went through all of these these things together in the last several movies uh, and the humanized part, the Peter Parker, the MJ Watson, the uh, Ned, they're paying consequences here, right? There's real stuff. They, now they got an attorney involved. The DOD is investigating them. The public, half of them hate them, half of them love them kind of situation. And by association, their lives are dramatically impacted. That is, again, the big picture that's being painted here, folks. We also get some scenes with the uh, good old Flash Thompson, which uh, has kind of a funny callback. This is 100%, 100% speculation, but it is nonetheless could be pretty close and that is uh flash thompson uh tony revaloria uh wrote a book called flashpoint which everybody's speculating and and even as i saw it in the theater i was like holy shit is that a throwback at the dc flashpoint or the flash uh which he goes back in time to deal with his alter his alternate version of himself and to deal with these controversial situations and or is it just a play on his name? Good question, right? I, I think that's a good question. I think it's a fun question, and I think it's a fun, a uh, little bit of fun canon to throw in the midst, <laughs> in the midst of this movie. So, um, anyways, the challenges continue, and again, that's that's what this is building up to. Um, all three of these main characters are going out of high school or preparing to leave high school. And they all have been applying for colleges. They, Their goal, as it's explained, is to try to go to MIT together. Obviously, that was Tony Stark's. You know, Tony Stark was kind of hooking that up with Tom Holland and, you know, led you to believe. And, and, and rightfully so. I mean, these guys are the, the characters that they play are smart individuals. Well, as that starts to unfold, schools start dropping out. And you get you get like this uh, kind of an again kind of a classic sequence of you know admission letters being denied. No, you're not accepted. No, you're not accepted. And you get to the MITs, and and none of them are. And it is essentially reduced down to the association with Peter Parker, aka Tom Holland, which is kind of a uh, a sharp knife being driven into the already. Um, harm, you know, harmful impact that they've been dealing with. And that's what it is. Well, what can I do? I mean, that's the, the million dollar question that Peter Parker is asking himself is what can I do? How can I make this better? I didn't want any of this to hurt my friends or my family. 
you know, we got bricks coming through the window, Aunt May's, you know, in disarray because of the public eye. MJ Watson's heavily impacted. Ned's impacted. I didn't want any of this. I just wanted to be a normal kid and, and I wanted to help people with being Spider-Man. And that is really the questions that he is trying to to answer while also trying to keep to some degree his sanity and his uh, composure because of the challenges that you get to see as you watch the movie, right? And again, it's cool in in a sense because it it it's kind of an emotional roller coaster through this whole segment of stuff like shit what is he going to do you know what's going to happen so forth and so on so um again we see the relationship being strained between everybody and while really between the friends no one's really blaming anyone Uh, they're they're not blaming peter there is just a, a set of circumstances that clearly points to the mysterio situation um, and, and it not <laughs> being advantageous to any college to have these folks attend given the situation, which, you know, there isn't superheroes, there isn't any of that in real life, but is to some degree kind of understandable. So again, Peter and Aunt May are living with happy, which you get to see that the happy pad, which is kind of cool and fun. Um, and we're, we're brought to a point like a pivoting point in the story and really in the act, the first act is again, just explaining the impact and showing you and, and seeing how bad it really gets. And the pivot point, in my opinion, in this movie is Tom Holland is like, all right, I got to do something. Like I can't live with this anymore. I, I can't have these people's lives ruined because of me. I have to do something. I'm the one that's responsible. I'm the one that has to step up. I'm the one, you know, that that whole that whole hero facing facing the story that he, you know, is is presented with in the story or in this movie. So he then comes up with the idea because of some funny in my opinion because he was looking at these funny warlock looking lamps or light bulb things and uh, he's like, "Oh shit, I know a guy." And let's go over to Bleecker Street to the, uh, the, the strange house, the strange pad. Um, and let me see if Dr. Strange is home. He can help me. And so he does. That's, that's his pursuit. I'm going to go over to Bleecker street. I'm going to go see what strange is up to and see if he can help me. So he shows up, you go inside. It is a blizzard inside. There's some funny dialogue. There's some stuff going on there. And, um, essentially, Wong is there. They talk, you know, there's, there's some light talk about what's going on. And he's like, man, I need your help. And, uh, the spell that is brought up is the ruins of cough call. And as they start discussing it, Wong's there. And he's like, you can't do that. This, you know, goes in between essentially multi you know, the multiverse and there's some dark craft with it and this, that, and the other. You also discover that Dr. Strange, AKA Benedict Cumberbatch is not the Sorcerer Supreme Wong is, which I thought was interesting. And so Wong takes off. He's like, Hey, I got, I got some stuff to do guys. I'm not going to hang around here. Don't cast a spell. 
I'm portaling out. Peace. Dips out. So that happens, and Doctor Strange, in a very strange, in a very strange fashion, is like, "All right, I'm gonna help you. Let's go do this." And they go downstairs, where it's funny because there was a uh, there was a comment about a show. What was it? Equalizer in the '80s was filmed down here. It's just a funny a funny set of events that kind of kind of conspire. And they talk about what's going to happen, and it's like, okay, so no one's going to remember. Peter Parker, Peter, Peter Parker, Peter Parker. No one's going to remember you. That's what the spell is. And he starts to conjure the spell, which is a cool scene. Cause you get these like ruined languages kind of wrapping around these two. And he's like, well, what about Ned? Well, what about MJ? Well, what about Am? And as he's doing this, strange is yelling at him. Essentially, you're going to mess the spell up. You can't change the spell. You can't change the spell. And stuff kind of goes back and forth and shit hit shit hits the fan essentially. <clears throat> and they go to contain this and and it gets it, it the spell gets casted, essentially. And uh they want to encase the spell because something's not right about it or what have you. And it's like, okay, well, let's let's kind of see what happens. And from there, you know, Peter, unless I just, I might've just skipped a piece. I feel like I just skipped a piece. Um, so Peter, yeah, I think I did just, did I just skip it or was it before? I, yeah, see, damn it. I might've just skipped a piece regardless. I'm just going to keep talking about it. So I apologize if I, if I, uh, jump back and forth a little bit here, um, Ultimately, that gets that goes, and then either before or right after, uh, Peter has this idea. Oh wait, no, that was that was when he talked to Strange because Strange's like, "Why don't you just talk to the people at admissions at MIT?" And uh, that's that's what Peter goes and tries to do. He uh, identifies the lady that he needs to talk to, finds her in traffic. And as he's talking to her and explaining and and justifying the circumstances that, you know, MJ and Ned have nothing to do with this and blah, 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 blah. You know, all this stuff happens. That is, or no, that is right afterward. Okay. Because of what happened. So he goes and does that because he's like, I think I can still get these guys in. Maybe I can get myself in. And, you know, of course the, the woman's kind of taken back. It's like, holy shit, here's Spider-Man. Here's a situation. Is there anything we can do? And she's uh, appears to be kind of open mind, kind of open minded to uh, the possibility. And then we're introduced to Doctor Octavius. Alfred Molina comes back from the OG Spider Man, which is cool. Um, and and it's also cool. I like how they do that because it's it's. Uh, almost like a confusing situation. Um, He's not really sure what's going on. Alfred Molina isn't. Spider-Man, of course, is not. Alfred Molina's calling him Spider-Man. Hey, Peter, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I don't even know this dude. They get into the skirmish, and essentially they're they're on a bridge, and and shit hits the fan. Uh, Peter is then unmasked by because of one of the tentacles hitting him against the wall. He's like, you're not Peter. 
and he releases his uh, nano nanotech onto Doctor Ock, taking over his uh, robotic limbs or robotic uh, whatever octopus arms, whatever you want to call them. Which was cool. I like how they did that. I really appreciate um, just how they ha- how that interaction or how that exchange between Doctor Octavius and Spider Man's character and us being aware that there is nanotech, uh, the Stark industry stuff is cutting edge. And really at this point, Dr. Octavia stuff is kind of dated. Right. And so for the nanotech to be able to a apply itself to the suit and then allow Peter to take control, I thought was kind of cool. Um, within that sequence, we also got a bunch of other stuff going on. We got, um, the MIT, What is it? The, the the MIT head counselor for uh, admission, you know, gets gets quasi saved. And then we also get introduced to the amazing William Defoe, Mr. Norman Osborne with a uh, swift attack. And essentially they end up they end up finding themselves back at the uh, Sanctum Santorum with and I think he he. Um, portaled there or uh, again I'm, I've got some holes I've got some holes in this um, anyways they end up back with strange and they're like shit we got to do something about this there's this octopus man there's this green goblin guy there's some shit that's hitting the fan we got to do something here um, he detained I believe he detained Dr. Octavius at this time and they come up with a plan like, hey, Peter, you go get some help. What we're going to do is all these creatures are coming through because of the spell. We did something wrong. We need to try to capture all of these all of these uh, characters that we're seeing. Right. And then the green, the green, the short exchange with the green goblin, he wreaked some havoc and then he kind of disappeared. And he's like, all right, well can I bring some friends or get some help from friends? And of course it's Ned and MJ. They, they show up and are there to help Dr. Strange or there to help Well, while Dr. Strange and of course, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. So they've got this little macro group thing going on. And then they get the, uh, the basement to work in, not the cool area where Dr. Strange was doing his, doing his business. They get like the basement. And as they go down there, you've got Dr. Octavius already captured and you have lizard captured, which was, uh, raise, rise, Iphen's character, um, are already captured down there. And then Dr. Doc, and there's some, there's some important dialogue there on asking what's going on, some back and forth. And ultimately it's like, all right, well, we have to capture all these guys because we got to learn and figure out, excuse me, how to send it back. And so that's kind of the name of the game, right? Peter's suit is kind of messed up at this moment. So they turned it inside out, which I thought was kind of, kind of funny, kind of interesting. And they discover, okay, well, we got to start doing a sweep. They go online. MJ goes online and there's some funny, funny uh, stuff because they're looking for abnormal, uh, news bits with, with, uh, some kind of chaos tied to some kind of, activity that's abnormal that will lead them to find who else has come through because again peter parker tom holland's character doesn't know these bad guys doesn't have any inclination of of who any of these characters are because again they're from 
a different universe. And so <clears throat> they scroll, MJ, I think it was MJ, she scrolls through and is like looking at some article stuff. There's a, like a like a mini frost giant looking character and, and some other ones. I thought that was kind of unique and cool. And then they end up finding Electro, which is Jamie Foxx's character. <clears throat> they were isolating it down to a area and it's like, okay, well, let's, let's, I'm going to go find this guy. Here's another one. They have this system to uh, essentially tie them and then portal them back into the little cells that they have that should contain these characters. Um, because again, we got to, we got to collect all these guys because they're wreaking havoc and we got to figure out how to send them home. So <clears throat> long story short, uh, they, you know, Tom Holland, Spider-Man goes and and finds Electro and he's, he's essentially absorbing or trying to absorb, um, electricity to build power, finds him over by these power grids in which <clears throat> after watching a ton of breakdown videos and reading a ton of comments since this whole, since the movie came out and enjoying them thoroughly, uh, there was so many comments about Jamie Foxx's reprisal of electro because obviously he's not a like a nerdy scientist like he played in the andrew garfield version of the show um which is uh, i i think they're making it too controversial i at the debt if you read the comments oh, i don't like it how did he get so big how do we remember it's like who gives a shit okay like, like to me i didn't give a shit it was like cool i like how he looks i like how it's it's not the same i did not like how they did electro in the Andrew Garfield uh, version of Spider-Man. So anyways, long story short, we get Jamie Foxx, which is cool. He's got obviously a whole different setup than what we're accustomed to from the previous Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man films. And then we also get the Sandman and which was cool because it's Thomas Hayden is reprising his role as the Sandman. And what's what's also equally as cool is that the Sandman and Spider-Man from Spider-Man 3 off the OG stuff, the original Spider-Man with uh Toby Maguire there, they weren't they weren't enemies per se. They they weren't <clears throat> they weren't against each other. It's it, you know, Thomas Hayden's he plays a he plays I love how he plays Sandman. He also looks like the character from the comic books, but he he's just a man that that has, you know, wants to do what he wants to or wants to do what he needs to do. And that is also apparent in this movie throughout. Um, and he's not necessarily trying to hurt anyone. He just needs to do what he needs to do kind of character, which is cool because it it, it to me, it makes the character unique in that sense. Um, especially because he doesn't have the tendencies for power or money or what, what have you. He just does what he feels is appropriate and needs to do. I guess it's just a different, <clears throat> a different aspect of, of especially the villains that we often see in these, in these uh, shows. So, okay, let's keep going. So Sandman's there, Electro's there. And of course, Tom Holland, Spider-Man's there. A uh, fun skirmish, a nice fight happens and breaks out, and we have Sandman essentially helping Spider-Man, and they end up getting, uh, they end up 
capturing Electro and then sending him back and then the, and then Sandman back. And now everybody is locked up in the lower levels, almost like the catacomb prisons and the Sanctus Sanctorum. And the conversations start and yeah, it, which is actually pretty cool. I don't know. I kind of like how they, how they did this um, because everybody's asking like, where are we? Who are you? Is there this? What about this? And it's cool because it, a, it, it humanizes all of the, all of the characters, but it also added like a, a level of curiosity at different, that different situations from each character too, because they're like, where the fuck are we? What are we doing here? And now, especially why are we in these like prisons? <laughs> why are we in these prison cells? And you're not the normal Peter Parker. You're not the normal Spider-Man. And so of course, through all of these conversations and through all of this stuff, um, you know, the lizards down there, Electro, Sandman, and, uh, um, Jesus, I'm going to forget it. Uh, Dr. Octavius. Uh, there's a lot of dialogue explaining that Peter Parker, Parker did this and Peter Parker did that kind of situation. And it creates an interesting kind of an interesting dialogue and understanding of what is happening. And can we help these people? Um, you know, the, the conversation was strange more or less is, um, you know, we need to send these people back. And because this, the spell is, you know, got a remaining case, I got to do this thing and we'll send them all back. We don't need to sit here and save these people. And then they understand that, okay, well, these people are dead in the other timeline and they've been brought back because of the spell, or that's what we're led to believe. Um, and they died ultimately at the hands of Spider-Man, not that Spider-Man murdered them, but there were a situation that had arose that led us to this. Um, or there's the similarity, at least for some of the characters in that sense, within the others, within the other multiverses in which they came from. And so <clears throat> it's just a, I don't know. I appreciated how they did that. And of course, Norman Osborn comes up or you, you see Norman Osborn, AKA William Defoe, AKA green goblin kind of arguing with himself in the alleyway. He's got the mask off. And if you saw um, his character portrayal in Spider-Man two, the, the original film um, he argues with the mask. That's his, uh, that's almost like his, uh, it's his, piece that he speaks to that has the goblin like within him and he breaks the mask and then he you know he kind of disappears so while they're in while they're still in some type of pursuit and and I could be wrong again I could be getting uh, some of these scenes kind of cut in different ways I can't recall if this was the sequence where Norman Osborn goes to Aunt May and then they call Peter and he wants help and this, that, and the other. I believe that is, that is kind of what I think that's the scene that happened. Um, regardless that that does happen. I just don't recall which sequence, if it was before or immediately after, but nonetheless, he shows up, gets helped by Aunt May and 
then Peter is called and like, okay, well, we got to help this guy. And he, and he's portraying as a mentally like this, like his character, Norman Osborne has some, some mental anguish, has some mental disabilities, has some issues that he's trying to address. And so the challenge that comes is between strange and what they can do as far and they being what Peter Parker, Ned and MJ can do. Strange has it locked down. Like I've said, he's just like, okay, we're going to collect all these guys and then we're going to figure it out. And then we're going to send them back. And I think we can do that if we get them all together and we finish or we, we redo this spell or what have you, but it has to stay contained. Well, amongst that conversation and amongst the conversation Peter had with these characters is like, no, I think we can, I think we can turn these people around. I think we can, uh, send them back fixed as a, as opposed to sending them back as villains. And of course, <clears throat> that's kind of a controversial thing because strange is like, no, you can't fuck with the timeline. Like these, these guys aren't from here. You don't know what you're doing. And it causes some, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a scene there because Peter Parker attempts to take the encased ruins of, of cough calls spell and tries to dip out. You get a ton of really cool CGI that you go into the mirror world and you get these uh, portal through portal sequences and whatnot. Ultimately, uh, oh, you also get into the, uh, you know, Peter Parker gets knocked into the trans plane or whichever plane that was similar to the way Strange got knocked into it when he was first introduced to the magic and the sorcery. And uh, long story short, this turns into a hot pursuit of of Strange chasing Peter Parker uh, or Spider-Man, I should say, um, because he doesn't want him to help these folks. He's like, no, let me just hold on to this thing. Let me see if we can try to fix, you know, or, or address these issues that these, these essentially villains are portraying or explaining within the show. And so an awesome battle, a lot of stuff, a lot of inception. That's, that's the way I felt with uh, some of this very inception esque scenes and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the magic stuff is based on um, geometry and uh, oh, I'm gonna it's gonna skip my mind. Jesus, calculus and and all of these mathematic equations, and so Peter starts uh, or doesn't start. Peter remembers and then starts utilizing some of this to ultimately set up Doctor Strange and then web him to web him within his own world to refrain or to stop him from continuing to chase him. So he's given an opportunity to turn around. I got to turn around Dr. Octave, you know, Dr. Rock. I got to turn around the Sandman. I got to turn around Electra. I got to turn around the lizard. Um, oh yeah. And then they missed with one of the things and there's a tree in there and it's not Groot. It's a real tree, which was funny too, when they were uh, zapping people in or, or neutralizing people in. So, all right. So now, Peter and the gang there, Ned and, and MJ, or actually not Ned and MJ, Peter ultimately gets these these enemies and talks to him and explains to him. It's like, listen, we got we got two choices. You know, I think we can fix you, but you guys gotta be you gotta play ball. And 
they agree to play ball. I mean, that's that's what happens. They're like, okay, well, if you can fix me here and fix me there, then let's give this thing a try. Even though there is some, there is clearly some uh, initiatives that are not discussed from said villains, uh, but complying makes the most sense because then they can get out of the cells and then try to do whatever it is Peter wants them to do. And so with that, <clears throat> they go, you know, they, they do their thing. They get back to, uh, they get back to Happy's place and you can see there's a glitch in the cameras, the cameras when Electro goes by. And again, I'm sure I miss some scenes through this. So just bear with me. This is all the sequences of all this is off of rough memory from over, excuse me, over a month ago. Yeah. We should have did this right out of the gate, but the holidays were there and, and I didn't. So, um, anyways, that instance happens. A lot of stuff is, is in disarray. You're, I'm, I was almost in disbelief. Like, wait a second, this dude's going to try That's That's the, the pivot point. Okay. The other big pivot point is, okay, so now there's a fracture in the timeline, right? That's why these, these folks are coming in because, the uh, ruins of cough call, the spell that was said got fucked up because Peter kept changing it, thus making strange change it. And now we've got all these villains. Villains were contained with the exception of uh, Norman Osborn, a.k.a. the Green Goblin, for what we know, which is limited to the story itself. Now they're freeing them to try to correct or fix some of the issues that cause I guess their evil tendencies or what, or what have you. And so they go back to happies and there's a bunch of dialogue. There's a bunch of different things going, going on there. Nonetheless, we have uh, Peter and Norman. I, I think it was Peter and Norman working with the, and I'm going to forget the name of this badass tech or Stark designed um, fabrication machine. And ultimately they build a new microchip for Doc Ock to enhance him. And and everybody's very, very hesitant and doesn't necessarily want to go along with this. However, they also don't want to stay locked up in the uh, floor of the Sanctum Samtorum either. So they're complying. Um, They replace the microchip set on Dr. Octavius's neck and he is essentially fixed because if you recall, Alfred Molina's Dr. Octavius, the thing, his little chipset that is hooked to the, uh, the suit or the metal spinal uh, adaptation with the arms and the waistband, it fried, thus making him kind of pissed off because even Alfred Molina's character wasn't necessarily an evil character uh, to begin with. He was a brilliant scientist. And once that chip fried, that's when he started to lose his way and he started to get a little crazy. So we see the reversal of that in this movie, which is very interesting. Um, And they also did a very good job with details because the process to fix him, it was very similar to the original process. It wasn't a new thing. They could have easily just did whatever, um, but they stayed. And what I mean by that is there was the needles and all of this stuff. And I thought it was very, very interesting on how they they call it kind of called back to that. And of course, while all this is happening, there's been several conversations um, about what, you know, these are gifts. These are not issues, this, that, and the other. And 
it, it's it's not just interesting. It's it's kind of the tale of the tape because up to this point, you believe that Norman Osborne, aka William Defoe's character, is I wouldn't say on a uh, good path. Um, but he's on a path that appeared to be, um, positive and, and, uh, on the good side of the fence, as opposed to being the uh, villain that we once, uh, we once knew, right. Um, let me hold on. I'm typing something here and actually an update. I just went to a different page and it says Spider-Man box office is up to 1.7 billion. So that other article must've been aged. Okay, so there, and, and you can tell because Electro said some stuff, uh, Dr. Oct said some stuff, Sandman said some stuff, and ultimately, the good old, the good old Green, green Goblin prevails. Um, Spider-Man's senses start going off, and it's kind of cool because it, it kind of turns into this kind of strange panicking moment from Peter Parker in the in the midst of all of these super villains, uh, his spider sense starts going off and you see Norman in the background and then you see him facing away as he's, as he says, may may, and he knows something is about to happen. That's the way the spider sense fucking works. It's his helper. And of course we get green goblin, um, doing the green goblin thing. You know, uh, <laughs> freaking the dude, William Defoe just killed it. So he goes into his crazy Green Goblin voice and uh, all hell breaks loose ultimately is what happens. Um, big kind of a the start of a big battle between Green Goblin and Tom Holland, Spider-Man and everyone else kind of does their thing. And then everybody's like two to each their own and shit hit shit hits the fan. Ultimately, William Defoe's character with his crazy laugh and his, his raspy voice, uh, they, they go into straight combat mode. And, and even while he's getting punched, he's encouraging or, or inviting more because of his wild laughs and what have you. So, uh, they end up making it down to the bottom floor of this building that they're in. And, and as mentioned, I mean, the, the other bad guys are like, fuck this. We're out dude. Doc Ock is out. Sandman's out. Electro ends up dipping out. And it's just Green Goblin and Tom Holland and Aunt May. And then, of course, we end up at the bottom of the uh, location and shit's hitting the fan. And you've got the cops coming and all, all of this stuff. Uh and May's in there and this and that to be kind of summarized with one of those pumpkin grenades from the Green Goblin and uh, ultimately uh, killing Aunt May in what seemed, you know, what, what what seemed to be the, you know, the the classic, kind of the classic movie style. Uh, but Tom Holland's character uh, just infuriated. And then, of course, the police are showing up in this and then Aunt May's last words. With great powers comes great responsibility. And so we finally got that because we've seen that that important Spider-Man catchphrase, or not catchphrase, phrase, uh, which is a classic phrase from the comic books uh, said in the past two, and now we're finally getting it from Aunt May in this one. 
And with that, she passes away and the police are there. And then it's a big pivoting point to where uh, Peter's having a hard time understanding what just happened, why. And again, we go back to the impact of now losing Aunt May, which to him, like you can see the relationship between Marissa Tomei and Tom Holland with their characters that they play. And um, it, it gave you kind of that, that, uh, emotional roller coaster once again because you're like damn they fucking killed aunt may and she said the classic line and it was green goblin that just clipped him but i do like how simple how simple straight to the point all of that was i feel like that was clean and smart business and uh yeah so anyways peter is of course left with Amy in his hands and he's got blood. He was just beat up and all this stuff happening. And of course it's uh, a bit of a downward spiral for him there. I mean, mentally the impact is fairly severe. He just lost his loved one. He's not sure what he's doing. His friends are screwed. He now has to figure out what to do with all of this. And, uh, yeah, it's a, a pretty tough situation uh, through and through. So from that point, um, you know, MJ and, and, and Ned are like, fuck, what, you know, what are we all going to do? And Ned has, and I, I'm going to forget the name of it, the little portal maker thing. And a lot of shit has been going on, a, a lot of sadness, a lot of emotions. I mean, through this, this was a pretty, pretty emotional movie through and through with all the characters. Anyways, so MJ and Ned were were together there, but they were not with Peter and, and whatnot. And they're like, dude, we got to do something. This is not good. This whole situation is just getting worse and worse and worse. So let's see if we can get some help. There has to be an alternative. There has to be someone to help. And of course... Um, we discover that Ned does have some special abilities because he uses the tool to open the portal and we get Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in a Spider-Man outfit, same exact character that we saw from the film, which was unique in an incredible decision. Moments later, we get Tommy McGuire's character, AKA Spider-Man, the original again, all of these characters acted completely different in my opinion, you know, and, there is some funny ass sequences between them, uh, between Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire's character. But ultimately, at the end of it, they team up with MJ and Ned, and then they go find Tom Holland, Spider Man, trying to get him back on track. And of course, these three start working together. Like, okay, we got to figure this out. This is not good. This is some evil shit that we're dealing with here. What are we going to do? And how do we do this? That and the other. Excuse me. Um, leading us um, to again, awesome dialogue between these guys. There's a scene when they're in the uh, the chemist lab trying to figure some shit out on uh, how to neutralize the. It's almost like how do we neutralize the bad out of these folks, and so that's what they're doing there. But again, there's a bunch of funny dialogue between each of them, um, especially when it comes to web, the web's uh, goods coming out of your wrist to where Andrew Garfield's and Tom Holland's characters, it's a mechanical situation. 
Tobey Maguire's was a natural and it was quite a quite a funny scene between them. Uh, but nonetheless, they go through and they start figuring out, OK, here's all the things that we can do. We can, you know, create these special these special antidotes or what have you to negate these things. And hopefully we can, you know, hit them with these special antidotes and it'll turn things around and we can we can kind of collapse this overarching issue. And so, um, you know, from that, they're, they're together. And it, again, it's such a fun, it, it's such a fun scene and just so much going on. And they're telling stories, they're talking to each other, which um, escalates into, okay, now we got to figure out how we're going to trap these guys or or get these guys all in one location so we can try to reverse this thing, obviously setting up for the big bad. And again, a ton of great dialogue, a lot of cool stuff happening at this point, and, and it's starting to pick up, right? They're ge- they're gearing up for the big, big bad. And so they discover, okay, this is, you know, this is how we're going to draw their attention. We're going to plan this, and we're going to try to get them over at the Statue of Liberty or the newly, the, or the, yeah, Statue of Liberty. Oh, excuse me. Keep you on it. Um, that is being fixed from they're being fixed with the uh Captain America Shield and, and all of this. And that's where they ultimately come in as a trio. They set up, they have they have all of these uh canisters set up. They call them out, they say, let's meet here, let's deal with this. And yeah, that's where, that's where the battle, I mean, we got three Spider-Mans and again, I absolutely freaking love how Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is the same that we got from the TV show, Andrew Garfield or not TV show from the movie series, Andrew Garfield is the same character. They're not mimicking each other uh, to the degree of mimicking. They're just all Spider-Mans, but they're three wildly different people and characters, which I absolutely loved. Uh, to include seeing the different Spider-Man suits. And I did forget to mention that when uh, Dr. Octavius was uh, his little uh, hiatus there when he was fixed, the nanotech went back on his, uh, went back onto Tom Holland's Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and added some gold legs and whatnot, which was pretty cool. Anyways, Long story short, I'm not going to dive through the details of the battle scene. The battle scene. I, I feel like I won't do it justice. Um, nonetheless, huge epic battle. I mean, they're they're on the scaffolding in the buildup of the Empire State Building, which I'm not 100% sure on what the final revisions were, with the exception of the Captain America shield being held in the arm, which was interesting on how and why, but... Ultimately, we got the big bads there. Um, the the three Peter Parkers or three Spider Man. There's again some more funny sequences. Toby Maguire's back hurts. Andrew Garfield pops his back. Toby's Toby tells Andrew how great he is, and then they uh, compare some stories, which was funny because uh, Toby Maguire brings up Venom. Uh, Andrew Garfield brings up. Rhino and then Tom Holland's character brings up Thanos and it's also cool because they don't really know how to work together and Tom Holland does and he he had explained that 
he was an Avenger, which they thought was a rock band, which wasn't because again, none of that stuff, Thanos, the Avengers, none of that stuff happened in these guys' world. So I thought, I thought it was fun and, and cool. So uh, long story short, the battle was epic. We, we had reptile, we had uh, the Sandman, you know, and then we got Norman Osborn and all of this stuff. Um, MJ gets launched off the building. Peter Parker, Tom Holland jumps after uh, said MJ to be uh, in mid or in the midst of doing that. He gets essentially taken on by Green Goblin, allowing Andrew Garfield some justice and uh, leaping after her, catching her with her arms as opposed to shooting her with the web, which is how he lost he lost Gwen Stacy in his world, shooting her with the web and then her bouncing and essentially slapping the concrete. Um, so he grabs her with her arms. Again, all these like subtle, unique pieces throughout this whole show. Um, saves her. <clears throat> Life is good. The battle goes on. A lot of cool scenes, a lot of epic things. We end up with, <clears throat> excuse me, we end up with the shield being ripped off of the Statue of Liberty and a sequence of the characters kind of revisiting their past to some degree and the decisions that they made. Norman Osborn beating the hell out of some of them and then Tom Holland just wreaking havoc on, on him, ultimately grabbing his hoverboard thing and wanting to kill him with it. And of course, Tobey Maguire's character is like, it's not worth it. Believe me, I did this thinking that it would be justice, but it's not. It's not worth it. And they end up neutralizing Green Goblin. They get a kind of a three-way hug going. And uh, that kind of concludes the the battle. And it concludes the Andrew Garfield and the um, Tobey Maguire section. And I know I'm kind of long-winded on this. I was trying to cover as much as I can, but... As I'm talking, I'm reading notes, I'm looking looking at some of my notes on my paper, and I'm looking at notes on the damn computer I had. Um, I start jumping because uh, some of the memories with it, and I don't want to over-explain some of the sequences, especially like that battle sequence. That's, that is best suited for the television. I will not do that. Ju- I don't think anybody will do that justice. It would be a long, drawn-out explanation of who's doing what, when, and where watch the battle. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, but nonetheless, at this point, at this point, you know, uh, well, actually (laughs) I think I, I I think I skipped some stuff because Dr. Strange came in there too. And then the, or I did, I did skip some shit. (laughs) See, see what happens. I start thinking about one thing and and it starts running kind of wild. So, uh, uh, anyways, the spell got broken open fracturing the fracturing the skies it was really cool how that happened and then you get to see the silhouettes of uh, it's speculation but a lot of people are speculating that's rhino that's craven the hunter and the silhouettes and um ultimately strange is going to uh correct the spell and do it the right way which will you know pretty much end it all for all of these characters that are coming through via the multiverse and <clears throat> It was really cool to see Tom Holland Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man work together. Um, again, they're all Spider-Man at the end of the day. Very similar in in uh, ability, but 
wildly different in my opinion as far as characters of Peter Parker which I still I loved that I loved the di- the dialogue between the characters I like how they did things and I, I think that that was very well executed um, of course as mentioned Strange does his thing the Peters say goodbye to each other and off we go into the wind but that's not it of course that's not it because remember what the original spell was. No one will remember Peter Parker. No one will remember Peter Parker. So from that point, no one will remember Peter Parker. Now, before I drive into the end of this movie and then one of the teasers, um, again, to kind of recap my, my thoughts on this was, again, the movie started off with the impact from the previous movie, from what, Mysterio did causing their personal lives of Ned, you know, Aunt May, even happy to some degree uh, and, and probably others that they didn't have on screen. But MJ, Ned and uh, Peter. That really was the first act, in my opinion, was how do we get or, or showing and demonstrating how bad the impact was. And then the pivot was, of course, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to go get with Strange. That would be, in my opinion, Act 2. And in which ultimately led up to Aunt May dying, which he then, it's a big turning point for him. It's a a controversial thing that just happened in his life. Again, an impact. Why did I let this happen? And that was the next pivot, which led us to the other two Spider-Men. And then we've got to fix this problem and in this situation, which is of course a third act. And the final act of the film is a cent- Well, I wouldn't even call it necessarily an act. I'd say the, the end of the film, maybe you can call it an act, I guess, but is it's time for the spell. It's time to fix this. It's time to say goodbye and it's time to move on. Right. And so the spell goes, we get to see Peter Parker go to the the cafe that we all know and love, that we've seen them interact in before where MJ works. And Ned's sitting at the table. She's at the counter. He orders some stuff. And it's, uh, it, it's kind of heart-wrenching. I mean, you know, he orders something. He's just standing there. She runs over and talks to Ned. They don't have a clue who he is. Um, for a second, I, I thought he was going to, do something, you know, I love you or don't, you know, I know you or I, I had a feeling I was like, man, is he going to say or do something? And he didn't. He paid for his coffee, said his, said his piece, watched Ned and her interact. Um, you know, they, I, I, believe, I may be wrong. Maybe it's a small detail, um, but, you know, they're going to be going on their way to MIT. And, and here we have this lonesome Peter Parker that no one knows because he's been wiped from history. Now, with that, though, there's a lot of solid points, because remember, he didn't... Through us getting to know Tom Holland Spider-Man, the Peter Parker portion was of his personal life was quite limited um, because of his activities as Spider-Man. I mean, the most impactful things are Spider-Man, and Spider-Man, everybody still knows, but they don't know who Peter Parker is to be clear on that right so he didn't go to his homecoming dance because homecoming movie he was 
dancing with the vulture, right? He didn't do a lot of these big social events because he was being Peter Parker. Yes, he did uh, the Mysterio stuff, and he went he went to uh, um, where wherever Italy and did that stuff. But still, Peter Parker, while he was he was trying to uh, to grow his personal life, it wasn't. And I hate to say this, I just don't think it was as impactful as he didn't make as much of an impact as he did as, as Spider Man. Um, however, that does not mean it was not hurtful for him to lose the friendships because he, in this instance, is the only one losing friendships. They don't know who he is. So it's, it's an emotionless exchange for, for them, for him. It's like, dude, I know you guys like, this is, this is horrible. This is a tough life. Anyways, that wraps uh, most of that up. You get to see Peter Parker get an apartment and, you know, he's got a kind of a cool refresh suit and he, and he does his, his two seconds of things, his, uh, you know, that, that grown up phase. And I think that is more or less what they're, what they're pointing toward and, and where they're, where they're going with this holistically. Um, it also opens up a lot of opportunities, right? And so anyways, that's the end of the, we'll, we'll just call that the end of the film. He gets an apartment. He's lonely. He's walking down the street with a boxer stuff. Um, which doesn't turn around that M.A. died, um, or actually, I <laughs> uh, see I jumped a scene too. He was at Aunt May's headstone, and then Happy Happy was there and, and whatnot. And that may be at the very, very end, or could have been another, uh, before one of the sequences I just described. Um, so that happened as well. But a lot of interesting things can come from this. Um, one, I, I do want to bring, well, I want to bring up several things. Uh, first and foremost, Tom Holland's contract is up for negotiations because he has one borrowed feature left, which means a uh, MCU movie, not a Sony MCU movie. So we don't know where he's coming back. I did a ton of reading on all these freaking articles, and it's like a half and half split I've seen. Um, where people are like, no, Tom Holland, you know, is going to be done after No Way Home, and he doesn't want to do it. And then I saw others that are like, no, Sony is Sony is locking in your boy. And then you've got comments from the past from Tom Holland saying, you know, when I'm 30, I don't want to be doing Spider-Man movies, et cetera, et cetera. That was all before they made almost $2 billion in the box. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure where they're going to go with that. But, but now the fun part about this, is um we got a full we got guys we we got the full introduction to the multiverse in this show and what i mean by that is like we got characters from different movies and different timelines the bad guys and the good guys which was absolutely incredible um I, and i love that they did that i really do we got to see ned and i didn't highlight this very well but ned had the little portal thing. We got to see Ned uh, kind of show that, hey, and he made mention, you know, about my uh, my grandma says that we have magic in our family and blah, 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 and, and Strange makes light of it and what have you. But Ned could be a character in the future because speculation still is Ned becomes Hobgoblin, which would be fucking badass. Um, and I think that that would be an incredible story to tell. You know, Peter Parker goes off and does his own thing for, you know, a couple of years. He gets older. 
Um, he worked at the Daily Bugle getting photos, doing the classic Peter Parker because he could because J. Jonah Jameson doesn't know who he is um, and what have you and is living kind of the uh, the hero's life without having the expendable friendships that were put to the limit, which was what happened in this movie. And then Ned turns into Hobgoblin for whatever reasons, uh, maybe because he didn't know Peter and he went on to the dark ways or some shit. I don't know. That would be cool. Um, the other part that would that is that is cool though is it's almost like a fresh start for Tom Holland's character, in my opinion, because the past has been wiped, and now you're you're unfortunately you're alone. You're gonna have to figure out how to how to come up with some money now, because you're not living with Happy and you're not living with AMA. So you're gonna have to figure out that piece, which could, like I just said, bring you to working for the Daily Bugle or trying to. Um, and then, you know, the, the world is your oyster. Do as you please. Um, so a lot of opportunity for where this character could go. Now I'm going to go into one of the, t- I'm going to go into the, the, there's only one true, true uh, end credit, tr- end credit. The other one was a trailer. And I'm not going to go into the trailer that was for uh, Strange 2. And I'm not going to go into that. Um, if you guys want to watch that, look that up or or I'll talk about it independently. Because we're going to get more trailers for that soon, which is freaking awesome. Um, but I will talk about the the end credit scene that is that is relevant to the movie um, here here in a moment. So, anyways, there is also speculation, which this is fun speculation to me because of the multiverse. Uh, you know, Andrew Garfield could come back as uh, Venom or symbiote Spider Man or. Toby Maguire, or do they go back and they shoot uh, the third film for Andrew Garfield's knowing that there is this other one? There's there's a lot of that fun speculation going on right now. And I'm like, this is fucking nuts. It hurts my brain. If you start thinking like that, it, it'll hurt your brain because the possibilities are endless and it could go anywhere. Would it be cool? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, there's there's tons of rumors of Secret Wars possibly happening. There's there's tons of of rumors and we don't know where Morbius is going, Craven the Hunter, or any of those characters are going. Um, I'll talk about well, let's just talk about Venom. So the end credit is uh, the scene that ended in Venom two with Tom Hardy and picked right up into the end credit of this movie, and you get um, Eddie Brock like hanging out down in Mexico drinking or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck? I still don't, I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of strange. And then, you know, talking to uh, Venom and then they get zapped out and a piece of symbiote is left, which that in itself, guys, could go a million different ways because Dylan Brock could be the next one. So the symbiote bonds to Dylan Brock or the symbiote bonds to, to uh, the symbiote bonds to, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, like this thing just opened up so many cans of worms for me. I'm like, oh my God, what does this mean? Because clearly Venom, Tom Hardy is not from the same timeline. However, we know that Venom has to be from the Morbius timeline, which we're guessing we, we don't even know what timeline that is because there was a poster of fucking Tom or Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and that one, so it was Tobey Maguire coming back, trying to get over, or, you know, like, 
It's so fucked up. And then on top of that, the vulture is seen in the commercial with Michael Morbius. So it's like, what in the fuck is happening? And the reason we know all this stuff and the tie-ins is pretty simple. Morbius, the trailer that dropped recently, he makes more Michael Morbius, a.k.a. Jared Leto, makes a reference when he does his like vampire or face change to Venom. And Venom is only known in the Venom universe. And we don't even know the social impact of the character Venom other than some of some of the uh, stuff that conspired from the last film with Let There Be Carnage, which is crazy. But Vulture is not was not in the Venom universe. Vulture was in the Tom Holland universe. So it's who knows? Like, in all honesty, I would love to see Tom Holland continue to be uh, Spider-Man, especially because now he is maturing. He is his character is no longer a high school student and no longer has, again, those ties. So they could play a million different tunes. They could they could go into um, the Gwen Stacy stuff at this point, if they'd like to. They can go like I said, they could go into uh, the college years, which could be really fun. Um, they could go in, you know, college and he works for the daily bugle. I think that's just a fun scenario. And will we get a call back to any of the other Spider-Man's? I don't know that they'll do that. Honestly, to tell you the truth, I just don't know. Maybe Andrew Garfield, maybe, but I still feel like that's a pretty big stretch to go back, uh, to that. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, let's wrap up some of this stuff. I did think, um, a the casting on this and bringing in the characters. Of course, Tom Holland did an incredible job. Uh, Toby Maguire, incredible job. Andrew Garfield, incredible job. Uh, Zadea, which was MJ Watson, great job. Marissa, Tommy, Aunt May, rest in peace because you're not with them. William Defoe fucking killed it though. I absolutely loved his acting in this and I, I like that I will say this though I really did appreciate um like he, he was struggling mentally and that that's what we saw in the originals to where it was Norman Osborne fighting the uh the Green Goblin taking over and we saw that here and we also saw like what we should have saw though because the Green Goblin doesn't give a shit and he blew up Aunt May I mean I hate to I hate to be that that rough about it, but that's that's what happened. Uh, the Sandman, Thomas Hayden, I thought he did an incredible job as he did in the past, but I thought his character was uh, more unjust in this movie than what we saw him in the past. Uh, Alfred Molina, Doc, uh, Doc Ock, he did great. He went from this like uh, the scrupulous villainish character to a sensible scientist uh, after he got the 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 switch, you know, turned off. Uh, Jacob Batalone, Ned, Ned Leeds. He, he did great again. I still like Jamie Foxx's character. I know that's, that's still kind of a weird one and that's still kind of up in the air. Cause he looked completely different. I loved the way he looked though. In the final battles, um, he was all juiced up. He was, he got the power that he was seeking and I thought he did great. Um, of course, Dr. Strange, Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch did great. Uh, rise, uh, rise it, Iphens, who played the uh, lizard, I thought he he did great, of course. J.K. Simmons, of course, always does well. I love him as J. Jonah Jameson. Tony Ravelli, 
as Flash did well, Martin Starr. I didn't even mention that when he went back to school, but I don't feel like that that was a huge scene. But of course, we saw Martin Starr and Hannibal Burris in the uh, Martin Starr, Hannibal Burris, and JB Schmoove uh, as the faculty when he did return to school, which was always cool. Wong did not have a significant enough part in it. And John Favreau, aka Happy, uh, did well, I felt like. Um, and then we did have. Uh, Aaron Moyed, the DOD agent, Albert um, Cleary, which uh, I did glaze over it in the beginning there. But during the investigation, an interesting thing that was stated was uh, Nick Fury was off planet, which I know that there's speculation that that character could be tied to the scrolls, which is interesting because how would a DOD agent know information about Nick Fury when the other superheroes, the Avengers and like, the shield didn't really know a whole lot on Nick Fury's uh, status. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Also one thing to note um, that I found to be interesting about this was this whole movie also was, was uh, going down right in the neighborhood of where Hawkeye was also going down. And I'm wondering timeline wise, on what happened when and where because it's very interesting clearly hawkeye was you know for all intents and purposes only the course of a couple of days and the events may not have been big enough to warrant spider-man's attention or um it could have well yeah i, I mean it could have been maybe before i'm not 100 percent sure but a fun thought i did have and then we'll jump off of this thing um, while I was writing some stuff down here and and whatnot was like, you know, what would, would be fun is if the last episode of Hawkeye, what we didn't see, like when Echo shoots Kingpin is what if Daredevil or Spider-Man had showed up there to prevent, you know, the murder of Kingpin from Echo or something like that. We could easily see it, but that... I think those may may have been a little low level for Peter Parker, or maybe he just didn't even know about it because again, those were kind of up until the last episode, they were kind of uh low level things unless you were tied to it, like you know, chasing after Clint and, and Kate and whatnot. That's just a different circumstances. I just found that to be interesting. So where does the symbiote go? That's the million dollar question in this case. Uh where does that play into the Tom Holland world? Again, if you're not familiar with uh, with Venom at all, we obviously have Eddie Brock. Uh, so we could see a variation of Eddie Brock. We could see Eddie Brock's son, Dylan Brock, which is uh, big in the Donnie Cates Venom series. Um, we could see a lot of different things. Is, is uh, Noel coming, the symbiote, <laughs> kind of the symbiote creator? Uh, because he also is the one that made, I believe he's the one that makes the necro sword for Thor, God of Thunder. Uh, I mean, there's so many, there's so many speculations. Nonetheless, guys, Spider-Man No Way Home, highly enjoyable, absolutely destroying the box office. Um, it was for me, it was a little slow on the startup. The Charlie Cox Daredevil cameo really made the first quarter of the movie, in my opinion. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the the emotions and the impact stuff, while it was cool, it was like, okay, come on, like, let's let's get this ball rolling. Uh, 
I like the the capturing the the villain scenes and the the exchanges with uh, Doctor Strange, uh, setting them on the right path. I not necessarily a huge fan of it, but they tied the story very well together in my opinion. Um, and the pivot points or the the uh, the different kind of sets, like I like I said earlier, you know, where it's like here's part one. Here's part two, here's part three, and then the end. I I thought all in all, great movie, highly enjoyable, all absolutely watch it. In fact, if I wasn't as busy as I have been, I would have went back to theater and watched it again. Unfortunately, I didn't, but once it's done wreaking havoc, (laughs) someday it'll come out on on, uh, some service. I would assume Disney, does Disney have the rights to release it on Disney Plus? Actually, that's a good question. Let me uh let me Google that real quick because I did not think about it until right now. When I know it's not coming out anytime soon, they're not going to run the forty day forty five day clause on it. Spider Man, let me look this up. Spider Man, No Way Home will come to what streaming? Let me see if it says it. I don't know. Watch Better Man No Way Home. Or what? Will Spider Man be on Disney Plus? Spider Man No Way Home is not streaming on HBO Max or Disney Plus. Sorry, don't get your hopes up. On streaming the new Spider Man, and especially not on Disney Plus or HBO, open exclusively into. Yeah, we know that shit. One streaming service. Oh. I don't know of how accurate it is. Is uh, Spider-Man? No, that's Far From Home. So Spider-Man: Far From Home is available on Hulu. Far From Home. I don't know. It's too. It's still too early. They they don't even give a shit. They're just still cashing in the money. Once uh once it's released, there guys will uh definitely share it with you. I find that to be a little interesting on uh, what direction. Um, anyways, guys, if you have any comments or anything or, or thoughts on what is the symbiote going to do, what is Tom Holland Spider-Man uh, going to do? Are we going to see Tom Holland reprise his role? I mean, we've got a lot of things going into the future. There's rumors uh, that Venom, actually, there's not rumors. I, I read, well, I guess it's a rumor until it's it's actually official and they're, they're in production, but it sounds as though Venom 3 is in production or starting pre-production now. Um, and we're not sure, obviously, where we're going to see uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man. Will we see something with him in the upcoming Morbius movie? Does Morbius even live in his world? What about Craven the Hunter? What about <clears throat> Doctor Strange 2? I mean, so much, so much great stuff coming, guys. Um, let's leave it at that. And I hope you guys enjoyed this OTE on Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And as always, if you guys stuck around this long, please hit that subscribe button. Follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. This is one of four other shows that we drop every single week. We appreciate everybody that's listening in. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you in the next episode.